in our business, the truth is, how do we help more people? How do we liberate more people, let them do the work, obviously, for the purpose of saving humanity? Hello, yogis, and thank you for tuning in to another episode of Dharma Talk. I'm your host, Henry Winslow, and this is episode number 56. This week, I have the pleasure of sharing with you my conversation with someone whose name you may not know yet, or perhaps you do, but if you are a yoga practitioner or teacher living in New York, or someone who generally cares about their health of mind and body, you've most likely experienced his product. Marcus is the founder of Juice Press, which is the OG juice bar in New York City, cold-pressed organic juices, no fillers, no BS, and you're going to see that that is really his personality down to the bone. Marcus has a great sense of humor and a lot of very strong, bold opinions about what yoga practice looks like to him, what self-realization looks like to him, and how he sees the future of yoga business unfolding. In this conversation, we talk about upholding yoga values in one's life while still playing by the rules of modern day society, how to reconcile those two things. We also get into Marcus's definitions and the difference between being fully realized and being self-realized. And moreover, the role of the teacher, a yoga teacher, in guiding people to the latter. And finally, we close with a lengthy and wide-ranging conversation about what's missing from most yoga businesses and the state of the yoga industry and Marcus's vision for a new commercially viable yoga school that truly embodies holistic and compassionate yoga. Now, all of that is coming up very soon. Please just stay tuned through these announcements, and we'll dive into my interview with Marcus and Tebby. Here's what's coming up in my calendar. I hope that you can join me for some of these events. In June, I'm going to be leading a series of workshops at Yoga to the People in Manhattan and Brooklyn, details to be announced soon. Over July and August at Lighthouse Yoga School, we'll be giving a 300-hour teacher training. Apply for that one online and use code HENRYWINS on your application for $100 off your tuition. And then in October, October 25th through 27th, Veronica and I are heading down to Bucerias, Mexico to teach a weekend of workshops at Shala Ananda. You can find the details for all of these workshops at henrywins.com events. Go there and sign up. What's your purpose? What's your vision? What mark will you leave on this planet long after you're gone? I'm Henry Winslow, and you're listening to Dharma Talk, the only podcast where I interview inspirational yogis on how they're changing the world in their own unique ways. Whether you're still searching for your purpose or already walking the path, I hope these stories get you excited to live your dharma. Hello, Dharma Talk community, and welcome back to another episode. Today, I'm sitting across from Marcus and Tebby. Marcus is a native New Yorker who founded Juice Press in the East Village of New York in 2010, the very same East Village that we're sitting in right now. 
Prior to Juice Press, he founded a skydiving equipment and training business called Peer Media. And Marcus fought competitive Thai boxing for several years. Today, at age 50, he considers himself to be an obsessive yoga athlete. He is currently building a yoga school slated for 2019 opening in New York. Hello, Marcus. This is pretty cool. We have definitely leveled up the audio quality here today, so it's my pleasure to be chatting with you. Uh, Henry, thanks for that. That was a great introduction that I wrote for myself. <laughs> um, do I call you Henry, or do you have like a title, like a Sri? A, is there anything after your name? Like Just a, Henry will do. Okay. That, I appreciate that. That was a test. That was a yoga test. So I passed. Yes. Hopefully. First test passed. Right on. Well, we always start with the same first question, and that question is this. What does the word dharma mean to you, and what is your dharma as you understand it today? Well, dharma, from what I learned, meant life practice, and um, it was the right life practice. You know, obviously, the dharma for me is not robbing cars or, you know, causing chaos and destruction. So, you know, I don't technically use Sanskrit words to describe... um, how I conduct my life, I think what Dharma really means to me is the the set of principles that I live my life by. I have a lot of them written down because I'm almost 35 years sober and I've taken a lot of those inventories of myself and I see a pattern in the writing that there is a system and a philosophy. So my Dharma really first and foremost um, is the concept of non-harm which is a long time evolving philosophy because it's very difficult to walk this earth and not harm something. So I've had to really figure out where I fit into that and, and, and how to be honest and sincere. And certainly my Dharma are the things that I now have to do that I'm morally obligated and compelled to do, even if there's something fighting it. For example, being a good father to my children, I would say that my, my, my obligation to make sure that they're safe and that they're getting what they need from their father, that's my number one thing that I put right in front of me. And it's not the easiest thing because I'm selfish. And, uh, you know, I don't necessarily come from a good family background where I think I got everything I need. So I'm working against the grain to be a better father. So Dharma also includes my diet. Um, In the last 12 months, I've become really hyper aware that the thoughts that I keep, the words that I speak, they play an enormous, enormous uh, role in where my chemistry is at. So that's been added into my Dharma word, you know, really being mindful about what I say. And I think as we make this discussion a little bit more broad, you'll see that the Dharma that I have is really not by coincidence the Dharma that you would see in the written um, teachings of the great philosophies of the Far East. Yeah. So let's go test me. See what yeah. I got. See what I got. What kind of Dharma? Am I, what am I? <laughs> what kind of Dharma am I throwing out? Well, I have to say, you, you mentioned before that you don't try to ascribe Sanskrit words to the values that are important to you, but the one that you threw out first is ahimsa, and it's part and parcel to the yoga system and many other Eastern philosophies, as I'm sure you know. I'm a hypocrite. What can I do? Yeah. And I think everything that you said after that ladders up to non-harming or non-violence, or if you look at it, the positive spin of that, what's the opposite of harming? Compassion, right? So to be a good father and to put someone else in front of yourself, I think is right in line with that and makes total sense. But then you can also look at non-harming as 
an internal practice too. And that's where diet, not only of the food that you eat, but of the ways that you speak to yourself, the people you surround yourself with, how you control all of your impressions fits right in line with that too. Are there other um, core values that are important to you apart from the non-harming or is that really the true north? Well, first thing I want to say that what I find really amazing in 2019 is that I know that I'm sitting across from a person who is self-realized and awake, which is back in the old days when I started practicing yoga, it was probably because I was very much asleep myself, but there just weren't a lot of people that were awake. And I think something shifting in my observation, it could be something that happened in myself is you are a reflection of myself. I definitely see more young people like you who clearly are not just regurgitating the teachings they read last night, that they, they understand it. The thing that I think I can offer you young kids is how to get to a destination a little faster if that is what you desire. Mm-hmm. The reason I say that about the Sanskrit words is because I don't actually speak Sanskrit. I don't speak Hindu. I don't speak Native American in Indian languages. I don't speak Chinese. I speak English. That's my limit of my education. And I believe that in teaching people, you're using words, and words really matter. And we use the wrong words to describe things all the time. So I'm very careful. The word ahimsa, the reason I have it tattooed on my flesh three times, is because I actually believe that the word nonviolent, it's just not really a great marketing word. So I, and I'm, I think I'm a marketing type person. I think ahimsa is just a better word. I'm sure there's a beautiful word in the Syrian language. I didn't look it up. I liked it, and I'm, I'm comfortable using that word. There's a whole other set of words in Sanskrit. I have no idea what they mean, so I'm not going to chant them. I'm not going to embrace the vibration because you said there's a vibration. Mm-hmm. That's the type of student that I am. So I'm very careful. I am not looking for fetish yoga. I'm looking for something that's much more sincere. And so I'm also older. I'm more jaded. When I see things that some people are doing in their 20s and 30s and 40s, I'm 50 years old now, I, 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 don't, I love the fact that we're all doing yoga. I'm not critical of that. Yeah. It's just not necessarily for me. It's not something that I'm going to immerse myself in, and I might not call that person my teacher. So when we're going back to the Dharma question, the Dharma here is to understand that, that as a human being, I actually have no choice. I have thoughts that arise in my mind. I have no choice but to preserve this body. It's not an option because it's not like I can decide tomorrow, hey, you know what? This thing called life, it's not working. I'm going to die. But if I don't like that, I'll just come back. I ha- I don't have that option. It's not like... Well, like, maybe you do. Who knows? Well, exactly. <laughs> but I'm not going to come back as Marcus because That's one right. would assume that that body, once it surrenders itself, it's gone. You know, it's not left in the attic and I can join it later on. And it would probably smell pretty bad. So... <laughs> you know, we could say is that I'm choosing the path of life. And once I pick that path very clearly and definitively, I have to protect this being. I have to do the things that protect this being. That That's 360 degrees. It's not just an asana or the postures. It's not just in my diet. It's a lot of things. It's the optics of my society. I live in a gigantic tribe And it's not compassionate for a member of the tribe to break the rules. 
So I live within the construct of the rules of my society. If I don't like it, I can move to New Zealand and grow a seven-foot beard and live in the woods. And I could make up rules over there, like no one's allowed to own land. Here, in where we live, you get a deed. You have a license. So I live within those rules. Um, what I've realized now is that the way to enlightenment must occur. You can choose to opt out and say, I don't like this thing. But to me, from my experience, that's a path to suffering. Once I came to that realization, I realized I have no choice. I have to look at the truth. I have to do space exploration in my body. That doesn't mean I need to master astrology. And it doesn't even mean that I need to master traditional yoga postures. The yoga postures are one suggestion. They're a method. The system of yoga is a very compact, meaning you can travel with it anywhere, method of health and wellness. It's actually unbelievable in that way because we don't have anything like that in the West. The things that we have are giant health clubs, which are beautiful, and it includes bathrooms and really nice lotions and great machines and steam rooms, and, and you can get into Pilates if you want or yoga. Those things are really useful, but they're missing... 65% of the other things. So for me, and it's not I'm not judging anyone else's path, I'm finished looking at the partial programs. I've been looking at them my entire life, including small yoga schools that just concentrate on asanas. They're only teaching a part of the knowledge. I need really the complete picture. That's why I'm motivated to build something on my own. Yeah. So let's talk about what is sincerity in, in yoga. Did I, before, by the way, did I go off on a completely irrelevant tangent on what I was saying? Well, the original question was, what are the other values that are driving you in, that, in your did, life? Did I cover any of that? And, and I think it did. And okay. it comes back to this idea of authenticity and sincerity in, in sharing yoga, if that is what you're going to do. It, uh, but, and I just want to make it clear to myself that I defined yoga for myself. And I realized that yoga was really just one word that describes something that is available in many languages and many thoughts. Yoga, to me, is the practice towards self-realization, realizing the truth. Traditional yoga obviously includes many different limbs, but no one's yet really figured out a way to teach it in a complete system. The, the teachers are lacking. And just to be clear, I don't have a better system. I am not a yoga asana teacher. I read what you read. I understand it. You can test my knowledge on it, but there's a reason I don't consider my teacher myself a teacher. I don't have the patience to help someone through their problems. I'm still working on my own. And I love the yoga postures. I love what you teach. But I teach that too. I just can't teach the postures because I can't do them as good as you. So, um, you know, I just I what I what I what I realized really only in the last year of my life is that I'm running out of time. I'm gonna only live a hundred years, and I got less than fifty years to go, and I really don't want to waste time on nonsense anymore. So I am very critical of the path that I'm choosing in this stage of my life, and. I'm extremely excited that in this stage of my life, the traditional yoga values and the system 
really resonates to me more than anything else. Well, I don't want to glaze over your past too much because you've created a thriving business um, slinging juices around New York and is it is it beyond New York at this point as yeah, well? Yeah, we're in Seattle, Las Vegas, we have New Jersey, we have Massachusetts. And so let's not let's not knock the benefit of that in terms of compassion and these values that are important to you, changing the way that people treat their bodies, which as you mentioned is the one vehicle for self-expression and self-realization. We get this go around. So do you do you really believe that the path that you're on does not serve your future outlook for what you're trying to do? I just think it was limited. I think that that somebody with my type of insanity who, like if, you know, if I showed you my business plan, it's 500 pages long. Yeah. The efforts that I put out into this world to make something materialize are, ins they're just, they're crazy. I laugh at it. I look at back at things that I've done. You know, I feel like I had to push boulders up a hill to get things done. Part of that has to do with my general um, tr traditional education not being very high, so I have a lot of obstacles to overcome with that. And I just feel like when I look at Juice Press, I said, yeah, this is a beautiful offering. My intention was to help people. I wanted to drink juice myself. I wanted to surround myself around people that drink juice. And I just feel like, like just teaching asana, it wasn't enough teaching to help people through. There's a lot more to go. So now in the project that I'm working on, I think I'm getting a step closer to being a more thorough and complete teacher. And I must say, you have my guarantee in writing. I will not touch anyone in an inappropriate way. Well, that's a good promise well, to make. <laughs> I'm sorry to say it. It's got to be said in today's world yes. that, that I'm very sensitive to that because um, it's taken me a lifetime to recognize that. And I and I and this is actually the first time I'm saying this in a public environment. I was sexually molested when I was 15 years old. I met and courted and seduced a 33-year-old woman. She fell in love with me, and we were lovers for 10 months. It took me my entire lifetime after that to actually figure out that that was sexual abuse. And the reason I'm doing that work now is because it's the work that someone very close to me needs to do for her life because her trauma is far worse than mine because mm -hmm. she was victimized as a young person. And because of my love for this person and my sincere desire to help her, what I realize is I can't help her if I don't do the work on myself. So to me, what all of this is, if, if I'm assuming that a lot of your audience are yoga teachers, a lot of the idea of being a great yoga teacher really centers around what work you've done on yourself. And that's not really spoken about enough in the circles that I traveled in for many years, and I know a lot of yoga teachers that sounds very Donald Trumpian. Um, wow, he's influenced the way I talk now. Jesus, what's going on here? Well, I might as well go with it. Um, we're going to build a great yoga wall, and it's going to be magnificent, and okay. it's going to be beautiful. Okay. Um, seriously, uh, what, I, what I feel is that as I get older and heal more aspects of my psyche and my mind, I now feel more comfortable taking a stance and really now yeah. going toe-to-toe. -to -toe. Sit me in front of anyone that's called a guru and I'll enjoy a intellectual battle. We'll call it whatever you want for the purpose of getting to the truth, which is in our business, the truth is how do we help more people? How do we liberate more people, let them do the work, obviously, for the purpose of saving humanity? 
If you want to clean up the oceans, Henry, you can't buy bigger machines. Because while you're cleaning up the Atlantic, there'll be psychopaths dumping more shit back in in the Pacific. That's not the solution. The solution is we have to bring humanity back to a state of where we were when we were children. However, unlike children, we have to have the education. Because children can't do many things beyond what they do as children. They're not really masters of the destiny, so to speak. As grown-ups, we understand that today you're going to touch hundreds of people in your life. When I say touch, the when I walked in, that guy Eric said, I don't know where this guy would be, where I'd be without this guy Marcus. I touched that guy's life. I didn't intrude upon his life. I didn't give him my doctrine. I didn't build him up for my ego. He was somebody that worked at Juice Press. I took a lot of interest in him as a human being. I always spoke to him as my equal. I made him laugh. I threatened his life. He likes that kind of stuff. Like I just told him now, I'll kick his ass. And that was, he needed that. He needed people around him that, that cared about him. So that's what a yoga teacher is supposed to do. A yoga teacher is supposed to be realized. Yeah. I mean, it depends. You don't have to be. You could be like every other yoga teacher and teach nonsense. Well, I think at the very least, wow, it's sorry. It, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to make this into an activist program. <laughs> I think it's uh, that's that's a that's a tough criteria criterion to meet to be realized, right? But I do think that is at the very least, every person who calls him or herself a yoga teacher needs to be genuinely committed to the path, and that fits right in with this idea that you're talking about of really leading by example. You know, we can't, you can't try to teach something that you haven't worked through yourself. And it doesn't necessarily, in my mind, mean that you need to have come to the ultimate answer or the resolution around that, but you need to have experience working through it so that you can share an experience with someone else. What's the ultimate answer? The ultimate answer, I think, is total self-realization, which is complete um, dissolution and transcendence of the ego. I'll give you a thousand, I'll give you a thousand years... In standing boat, and I guarantee you, I will say this to you. I'll make the comment: it's not going to happen. Not from strictly doing standing bow. Uh, <laughs> no. You need a thousand years. I'll give you one thousand years, and there will be interruptions. You will have an ache in your knee, and it will pull you from the absolute truth. The highest thing that I know about, and this is a market. These are semantics, by the way. Yeah. What was never marketed properly is the thing that you just called the absolute truth. You better be a physicist. A rabbi, a cleric, a priest, a singer, a surfer, you got to be all those things. Then there's a chance that you'll have one-tenth of the realization that the Buddha had, if it was real at all. There's a lot of evidence in history that shows that Buddha was not fully realized. That was a marketing ploy after he was dead. He was self-realized. Self-realization is an awesome goal, and it actually, it's an amazing destination because when you're self-realized, in my opinion, as a great creation of humanity, self-realization means that you will not do harm to others. A person who's doing harm to others, I make a judgment, is not self-realized. So self-realization means you see a glimpse of God in some of the things that you're doing. You have a positive attitude about your existence. But by the way, sometimes you can't because your knee hurt because you were doing too much Padmasana, and now you're back in Samsara, the suffering, is that, the, is that a word? We're using Sanskrit uh, words? We can use Sanskrit words. Dukkha. Dukkha is a good one for that. When your knee hurts, 
you're back in dukkha because your knee actually called you back into the body. Yeah. It's a good place for you to land to do your healing. Go, oh, I got to get back into my body. Mm-hmm. You can't be in a state of transcendence 150 years on this planet. It's it's the nature of the planet. It's too There's too many things going on. And even in Buddhist teachings, even if you had it, you'd have to suffer a little bit because people around you that you love are suffering. If you have compassion for them, you're yeah. going to suffer a little bit too. Yeah. So I think you are self-realized. And, and and that's what I'm here as a teacher to you younger people is to cut out the bullshit. It doesn't mean you're an egotistical prick. You could wear a t-shirt, by the way, that says self-realized. I think that's actually really funny. Um, it really What it means is I could tell by your practice, I could tell by your speech, by the way that you talk, you have enough understanding of what it is that you're being taught. You're following the roadmap. It's very, very unlikely that tomorrow we're going to hear that Henry died of a heroin od- overdose. I really don't think that, that would, anybody would take that bet in Las Vegas. The idea is that you are actually con- contemplative. Is that a word in Sanskrit or is that English? I think that's English. You're contemplative. You know how to meditate. You're practicing. You know how to pos- do postures. You're practicing. You could definitely, I know by looking at your practice, you definitely achieved single-minded focus. I know that when you're doing a pose, you can think of only the pose. Yeah. I would ask you as a teacher, have you ever gotten to nowhere? In meditation? Yeah. You, you know, you, you bring up a good point. <laughs> this is like self-realization versus full realization. And if full realization is total state of yoga, samadhi. Who where, has it? Give me one guy. You've been exact, around the circuit. Exactly. You, you can't be there for a long period of time. Maybe you can catch a glimpse. And and, and it's, when you're there, it's just one story. You can't teach anyone about it. No. no the Native American Indians, when they did their sweat lodges and they had their songs and prayers and the aboriginals of Australia, and I'm sure there's people in, in, in Africa, uh, primal people who live close to nature, who have a spiritual worldview, who do not corrupt their body with processed food and the poisons of alcohol and tobacco, they hit that place, that location all the time, and each play, each person goes to a completely different destination, Sure, but it has the same physical sensation, Okay, which it feels kind of good. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so if there's a difference between this unreachable goal Let's let I mean let's say for practical purposes in a human life it's unreachable to be persistent in a state of full realization. In 2019, they may have a drug later on in the future that gets you. I don't know, so we got to keep an open mind if we're going to be sure. self-realized. It's only the part that we know right now. Yeah, yeah. So, it, and that means that as a teacher, your best um, intention can really be to take people to a genuine place of self-realization. Their self-realization. Their self-realization. And, and it has to be in, in, the good teacher makes sure to not leave their own footprints like they were walking through a very sacred uh, uh, site. To not leave your footprint on my face. Mm-hmm. That would be your weakness as a teacher. That means don't tell me about what enlightenment is. Just say this is what enlightenment is to me. This is what I've experienced. And make sure you remind them, it's going to be different for you. Yeah. And Because just like me and just like you, I know that you have the seed of light. I have some inside knowledge I got from YouTube and from Google. Wikipedia. Wikipedia. Um, my belief system is that 
and I'm very limited because God knows I'm not that smart. My my visions have showed me the things that I've dreamt about is the place before my life. All I see is pure light. And I believe in that pure light, it's because it possesses everything that it's pure white. It's pure light. It's everything. It's all knowledge. The divine creator, for lack of a better word, I don't even like that term anymore. It's very 2016. I'm looking for a new set of words. It's out of fashion. Can't be. Can't say God. Can't say divine. Can't say the universe. It's all cheesy to me. But we'll say just for the purpose of a small. I like source. Source. Okay. 2019 right. word. Very, uh, thank you. You got it. Okay. Credit me twice, and then it's yours. Yes, the source. Thank you. So the source. It sounds a little bit like, you know, it could be like a bad guy movie, and it's like, you know, the dark side or the force. Yeah, but you like that edge. Okay, so we'll call it the source. The source, to me, is implanted in all conscious beings. It's actually the seed which generates life. Yeah. And it can't really be put into words. Now, once it's here and you're born on this planet, it doesn't mean that you're given a pass. The things that happen to you as a child, the things that you do that start to form your consciousness, they could really bury that light. And we know that. We have evidence all around us of really terrible and cruel people that not only is their light buried, they snuff out the light of others. Plenty of those kind of people. There's a way to develop closer contact to the source of light. It's so powerful that even the attempt at getting closer makes a person do better. They don't even have to see what's inside. Their intention to get closer, it's almost like a placebo, that they're, that they're working towards it. That's one of the beauties of showing up to a yoga class, and I judge, versus showing up to a health club. A health club seems like you're just showing up for health, physical health. I got to lift some weights, my biceps need to look better, I want those six-pack abs, different intention. When you show up Although to, some people might show up to a yoga studio for the same reasons. Yes, but the idea behind a yoga studio was the places that really get into the fetish, the chanting yeah. or mantras or you know breathing exercises and the meditation or maybe the teacher is um, spouting out some spiritual thoughts of the day. The intention for a person is to, I, I hear it often, is they do it for a peace of mind, which means to me they're getting closer to light. So there's a different intention there. Yeah. The teacher has to use various tactics to shake a person free from stupidity. Yoga is a distraction. It's like if I had a room full of children and I was trying to teach them things, I have to give them toys to play with, which is, to me, the asanas. They're just a distraction. They're little children's toys. They mean nothing. Well, I don't think they mean nothing. I do, I do think that they can be limited, but they don't mean nothing. I'm sorry. You're right. I was wrong for saying that. I got. A, I went off on the wrong one. You're I welcome would, to say it. No, and you can, but I I'll challenge it. it. I don't mean it. The yogas are. The, let me tell you what I believe in this. Since I'm the guest and I'm doing a lot of blabbing, I'm sorry. <laughs> no, it's your. It's your no, show. No, it's your show. It's your show. The this worst week. guest that you've had on the show. <laughs> the asanas are designed for one purpose: to, for the person, the practitioner, to control the body, so that they can get into controlling the breath. Through controlling the breath, they can enter into practices of controlling uh, the mind and meditation so that in the meditation they can realize themselves, realize the truth. So the asanas serve as that practice. They also 
great physical exercise, simple body mechanics. The body in motion stays in motion. The yoga system, you don't need weights. You don't have to have a thigh master. Just by simply using your body in a uh, in a shape that's been already designed and working to achieve that shape and having mindful in, mindfulness, getting into that shape and being into that shape, there's all kinds of incredible practices that happened in the mind. I wasn't taught that when I walked into yeah. yoga the first time. I was distracted by the bells jingling, the mantra, mm-hmm. the pretty girl in tight shorts that was in the front row, the teacher that was wearing outfits like that, the, the, the person playing the harmonium and saying words that I didn't know, that I had to follow on a laminated card. All that shit was nonsense to me. It's yeah. different for everyone. It, when I got there and I looked at it, I said, this isn't, this isn't anything. I knew it right away because it was missing. The, uh, the, the best teachers that I learned today, that I sit with today, guys like Eddie Stern, they, they don't concentrate on any of that until you want them to. Right, right. Like, oh, I really want to learn how to do standing bow. Okay, let me show you how to do standing bow. Or we can just sit and talk about some aspects of the way you think and the way you're maintaining your life. That is what can be taught in a, in a yoga room. So what I meant to say was the, the, the best use of the asana is like a distraction where you know that the person won't listen to you if you were just talking straight at them and said, hey, that, get that guy you're dating, he's really not good for you. It's not what you wanted. It's not loving. It's hurting you. They won't listen to that. However, put them in a room and say, Pachimotanasana, and then suggest things about nonviolence and love, and it's a better delivery system. Definitely. That's what I meant. So the yeah. idea is some people really need that disguise. Mm-hmm. Or uh, bait. You can think of it like bait. bait. Thank you. So now we're talking the same language. I didn't mean to say that they were completely useless. They could be completely useless to a, a higher level student. You don't need them. Like you could teach incredible yoga to a person who's a day away from dying, lying in a bed, can't really even move their body. They might be the most receptive student to your higher teachings and you, you can't even get them to look at their nose. Zero poses. Thank you. That's all yeah. I meant. Yeah. Are we in the right context now? You're, oh, yeah. Okay, yeah. But what I will, I would like to add on to that is apart from just preparing you to go into your breath and prepare for contemplative practices, asana is very useful for getting out of physicality and going subtler into the movement of energy. Because, Can I absorb that for a second? Because yes. that's heavy shit. See, that's what comes from a freaking enlightened yogi master, and it's hitting my brain <laughs> like a bag of bricks. Say it again, please. Okay. Well, let me first just preface that, you know, as you've said many <laughs> times, this is personal experience. But for me, asana is one of my favorite tools, if you will, in the yoga tool belt, because it brings awareness beyond muscular contraction, beyond moving a sit bone, moving a shoulder blade into directionality of energy inside the body Wow! because after you have energy consciousness in the body you can take energy consciousness outside of the body and this is very important when you're starting to talk about integration and inclusion of the self outside of the physical body guy audience i just want you to know right now you probably can't see it but henry is actually glowing and there's little pieces of lightning <laughs> coming out of his eyes well I, maybe you can I see it if you're that. watching the I, youtube i think that is very well put, and Thank I you. and I really appreciate that. That helps me a lot in my practice. Unfortunately, unlike you, I have I have suffered the abuse of bad yoga teachers for twenty years of my life. There's such a thing. 
Yeah. I was I showed up innocently and got nonsense. I took responsibility for that and I started saying this is what this is this is what I'm going to do. Even I'm going to understand the word guru and who it's applied to. And you know who it's applied to? Who? No one. It's applied to me a great teacher taught me actually it was this morning. I got to be candid. Yeah. Because I joke around that word guru. The guru is not the human being. It's the teachings. Yeah. It's a person who carries the great teachings in the vessel of their body. If they've done their homework and their work and they've truly mastered something, they can keep their bullshit separate from the teachings and they can just transmit the teachings because a lot of these teachings are oral and there's got to be a body in front of you that shows you something. Somebody who doesn't really have the teachings and makes themselves into the guru, like come and follow me, listen to me. Mm -hmm. Be doing, my follower. Yes, they're doing, but also in what they teach. Donald Trump, he's a guru. He wants you to follow him, mm -hmm. not a principle. The principle changes all the time. Sorry if you're Republican uh, yogis. I don't mean to bring up a sensitive spot, but I have to use it as a typical example. Somebody like that, what he's doing as a, as a, as a leader, so to speak, is he saying, it's me you should revere, not right. my teachings, not yeah. the teachings. What, what I believe that you're doing is you're trying to channel and transmit ancient teachings that are flowing in universal consciousness. They happen to be embedded in your genetic material, just like they're in mine. You did more work. You have a different set of karma in this lifetime. Boom. You're plugged in better, and the teaching said... Henry will give you these teachings, but you have to go out there and teach them to others. That's your obligation. Yeah. So now, how do you go and do that? Well, the best thing that you can do is put on Henry's body and just be Henry and go do some of those things. Yeah. Keep the right thought, the right speech. Boom. You're practicing yoga everywhere you go. Yeah. It's like, what is your message? My life is my message. You yeah. Know? You just, you live your life and- You need a bodyguard. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think I, I need think a bodyguard. They, I, think they kill, I think you're my bodyguard. I think they kill guys like us. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. We can't um, let them hear this podcast. Just <laughs> put it up for one day and then take it down. Put it on one of those sites that just takes it right down. You're, what, I've taken your classes, and I actually watch you on social media, and I watch a lot of yoga people on social media, and I follow all kinds. The guys with the six-pack abs and the perfect suntan and 300 tattoos, and... I mean, they got, they're doing everything. They got the, the, the Civil War beard, mm -hmm. you know, their tattoos, they have dragons and cobras. It's unbelievable what's going on out there. And I don't judge it as bad and good because what I say is that might have attracted me 25 years ago. I'd say, oh, I could be Herculean and have likes and followers. Maybe that's what got me through the front door. And then I meet someone like Eddie Stern who's practicing a different way or I meet someone like you. So I am under the, my philosophy is yoga is just a good thing. And it's being taught by a lot of different kinds of people. What I want today is I want to make sure now that I just don't waste any more time doing silly stuff. There's very few 20-year-olds that are going to be my yoga teacher. Unless I'm just going to them. Let's say I suddenly started caring. Have you ever seen me practice yoga, by the way? Yes. I'm okay, right? Yeah. For an old guy? Yeah. Like when when I do traditional hot yoga, that's when I get more involved in like the competitive aspect of you. For God's sakes, you're staring in the mirror. 
You're dripping sweat all over the place. There's people falling all over the place. I want to be good at standing head to knee. Yeah, I'm not falling out. Right, I'm not falling <laughs> out. So I like that kind of yoga. A lot of like three days a week, because nice. there's parts of me that thrive on competition with myself. Or sometimes I'm down and I'm out, and the only thing that gets me to yoga is the competitive part. Hmm. Different stages of my mind. To me, what I'm attracted to now is much different. I look at a yoga person and I say, wow. It's really unusual that a great yoga person practices and photographs themselves for social media not revealing their body. That is very rare. Not doing a hard pose. Remembering that there's people that want to follow them that don't want to always look and be envious or covet or say, gosh, I wish I could do that pose. It's So to me, it's just a trend right now that the bigger your six-pack, the more followers you get. Or if you, it, God forbid, if you tell... Um, your followers that you're, you show them a picture of you kissing your boyfriend, not you or me because we're both married, but if you show a picture of a man kissing, the yoga teacher male kissing his male boyfriend, you might lose 6,000 followers. That's, it's right? So yeah. to me, if I had your yoga skills, I would take pictures of myself doing Tadasana and say, what do you think of that? You'd probably <laughs> have you 33 likes. What do you think? Well, why not? You got to play, you got to play <laughs> tricks with people's minds. So, yeah. I'm sorry, we're not talking about your show. I'm talking about my show. Forgive me. Once again, teacher, I, w I went astray. Let's go back to... Well, okay, let's talk about what you're going to do, what your plan is for the new yoga school. Like, how are you going to do something that's different that really brings it home and drives the point of what matters to get to self-realization? Well, the first thing we're going to do is we're committed to not opening it until another trillion years. Okay, because we don't think people are ready. You need to wait till the next yuga. Uh, yes. Okay. Or we're actually waiting for what the physicists will call the black hole zone. Oh, what's that? It's just the entire universe will be nothing but black holes. It's Sounds it. like paradise. Yes. Well, you, there you really can't place any judgments because you won't be there. Yeah. Um, but the yoga school will be there. The yoga school. So the yoga school is really, um, it's an extension for me of something that um, I wanted to do with Juice Press. I wanted to have, I wanted to capture the same person that would buy juice. I wanted to capture their physical fitness. Also, I was frustrated myself with where I want to practice yoga and the options that I want for me for the different types of moods, different seasons. I like seasonal yoga. That's my own term. I'm making it up right now. I don't want to practice the same thing every day for the rest of my life. I'll be bored. So I said, okay, I understand retail. And I saw all the problems in yoga retail in New York. So I started writing about it. And I said, yeah, I think I'm going to do this. I'm going to actually open a yoga school. So I've been working on a business plan for about 18 months. And the business plan, reason why it's so dense is because it really is actually like an instruction book for me of what my philosophy is. And I wanted to make sure that I wasn't crazy and had some credibility. So I let a lot of very good yoga people that I respect look at it. And then before I met Eddie Stern, I said, he's somebody that I would love to do a school with because I love the fact that he has a simple name. It's Eddie Stern. It's not Sri Baba Eddie Stern or Eddie Stern Guru Swat, Swat Sticky, whatever. So I was very impressed by that. And when he teaches Ashtanga Yoga, it's very, it's much more, when I took his classes, the class felt much more compelling to me and, it, and I could focus and there was no distraction. The teacher didn't distract me. So I was very interested in that. And then 
um, when I was writing my business plan, I actually put his name as a person I would love to do this with. So one day, about eight months ago, I was looking for a place to work on my business plan. I usually go to a coffee shop or something like that. I stopped in, in a retail camping store in the middle of nowhere. I was just killing some time. It's freezing out. The door opens up. It's Eddie Stern. Completely random. I attacked him like a it? super stalker. I said, how you doing, Eddie? I shook his hand. My name is Marcus. I have a company called Juice Press. I'm working on my yoga business plan. And he looked at me. He says, oh, that's interesting. I'm very interested. You have time for a cup of coffee now? And I said, yes. So a great relationship was formed. The first thing that I really liked about Eddie was he has exactly my sense of humor. Had you already uh, practiced with him at this point? I practiced with him two times, okay. and he didn't recognize me. Yeah, he just knew the company I had, and the timing was right. And you know, he's he's like an open-minded kind of guy. He kind of went with the flow. We went yeah. to Saturdays on uh, Crosby Street, which was cool, and we sat down and we had uh, espresso. And I just revealed to him what I saw in yoga, and he liked everything that I said. He confided with me that he was closing his yoga school. It was really good timing. So we just took it step by step. And we're in a very deep, deeply committed relationship with each other right now. And it's really great to have him as my partner in this project because, first of all, it's just much funnier. The stuff that I'm writing, the stuff that he validates, we just f I find everything really funny and I find yoga, yoga jokes really funny. So you say to me, when are you starting your yoga school? I say, well, it's got to start in a trillion years. Where is it going to be? We're not allowed to tell people. That's to me the funny part of yoga is that everyone that studies with us, they're really enlightened. And unfortunately, we can't have an address, therefore. And we don't know when it, like I said to you, we're not telling you the time the class starts. We only tell you the time it's over. Yeah, it, it puts up an immediate kind of filter. You only get the best students coming through, that's the it. ones with perfect yes. psychic development. Everything. But obviously, that's not the truth. <laughs> what, what, what I felt, the biggest gap in yoga for me right now is that someone has to be very loudmouth and vocal, which you have in me, about helping the consumer understand why they're eager to pay $35 to drop in, to sit in a very uncomfortable position and pedal 600,000 miles over their lifetime to nowhere while someone's screaming in the ear nonsense to blasting eardrum music. Why that's $35. However, going for instruction from a guy who's read all the teachings and has accomplished 96% of the poses, who has great concentration and is a good human being and he's practicing all these great principles, why they balk at giving him $25 for a class. So there has to be a shift in that paradigm. People have to really see the value. It was a big problem for me at Juice Press in teaching that to people about a bottle of juice. What's the value? So mm. I feel like I have a, a head start in how to market that. The other thing is that a yoga school has to have mastered yoga itself. The yoga school itself is a teaching. All of the disciplines of yoga have to be incorporated. The staff have to be unbelievable. They have to be welcoming. They have to be grateful. And it's a, it's a culture you have to build. Um, and the flow, the yoga is a discipline. It's a discipline that involves cleanliness. Gyms are not clean enough. Yoga studios are not clean enough for the yoga practitioner to feel comfortable, especially when it involves a tremendous amount of sweat. It's a disgusting experience for a lot of people. I know that it is for me. 
Um, and so I think a yoga place, to be compassionate, so to speak, has to really consider the flow. So with that in mind, I said to myself, I am custom built for building a yoga studio. As long as I'm not the yoga teacher, you are, and so is Eddie Stern. I'm just really the operator, and I'm putting out my ideas about what yoga school should be like. I think that the popular yoga systems are Ashtanga and traditional hot yoga, so that will be our starting menu. We have to start somewhere, but we're already developing the idea that that's already also passe in the practice. And I think being with Eddie, he's working on what he calls slow yoga, which I've taken a few of his classes, which he's not really teaching anywhere. And I think when he teaches it, they're amazing. And we also want to develop some shorter, um, more accessible versions of Ashtanga. We want to have heated Ashtanga. We talked about doing heated meditation because the heat is such an incredible burden on someone. It's a great mind focuser. It's like making them stare totally. at a candle. So there's a lot of uh, mindfulness and thoughtfulness that's going into the actual retail experience. And it will be connected to a food component because food and eating is another incredible part of teaching yoga. There aren't that many places in New York that have um, the ultimate types of integrity that are really important to me in my diet that I think are really, quite honestly, they're not scalable business models. I've learned that firsthand. So the idea here would be to create a cafe um, that had amazing food, was beautiful to sit in, um, had bathrooms, uh, was a place to see pretty people if you want, or regular people, um, and just really uh, like an oasis. You know, overall that you can say to yourself, you know, I'm not working right now, but I'm going to take my yoga class and sit for three hours in the cafe and write my business plan. Or I'm in a rush. I only have 50 minutes, and I don't want to stand in a filthy shower. So I think this is this is compassionate yoga. Not that everybody else is, is not. I just think that what I've seen in the yoga circuit for many years is there's two types of yoga schools. There's yoga schools that were started by really great yogis but lousy retailers. And then I see yoga schools that were built by unbelievable retailers who were lousy yogis. Mm-hmm. So I'm trying to bring the two things together, assuming that anyone thinks that I'm a good retailer and that they would think that Eddie was a good yogi. So I'm yeah. hoping that there's a credibility in that marriage. Yeah, th- this is good. This is a this is a good point that you bring up, and it, you know, you you think about like the yogi who has eschewed all of capitalism and modern culture, but ultimately, when you do that, you give it's. It comes back to the point you made at the very beginning of this conversation. You have to play within the rules of the context that you live in. Amen. And if you are not willing to play that game, if you want to call it a game, then you're not going to be able to reach people with these messages that you think are so important. Unless you have a lot of money or you marry Angelina Jolie or you have some kind of disruptor, you there are exceptions to the rules. I don't have any of those exceptions. I need, I need to follow those rules. And I think that for what I'm looking to do in a yoga school, I need a thousand members for the whole year. It's not the whole population. It's not like I'm trying to go mainstream yeah. and sell KitKat bars to 35 million people. It's a small segment of the population, and I'm in a very densely populated arena. Yeah. And what I'm really looking to do is give you, because you'll probably own your own school one day, I'm, I want to give you something that inspires you. For example, if you, you could say the truth, by the way, because it's your show. 
if you were going to open a juice bar that had juice press type stuff, wouldn't you see my, uh, wouldn't you look at my place and say, this is the model I'd be copying? Of course. Okay, so yeah. it's really what I want to do the same thing. What I'm driven to do for whatever reason is I'm driven to do the same thing in the yoga environment, which is to give the future yoga school teachers say that's the model that we should follow. Case study, successful case study, model. A successful model that's that's not that's not missing things. Like yeah, it's, no we're, compromise. We're doing it the right way. Yeah. And down to being conscientious of plastic bottles, down to being compassionate to the staff. We we should be the highest paying school to our teachers. Because everyone knows that yoga yeah. teachers spend a lot of time learning very critical health science. They get a fr they, they, you you don't get enough money to be the groundskeeper at a doctor's house. Yeah. That, that didn't make any sense. You got my you got my <laughs> I, point. Yeah. The groundskeeper at the at, at a doctor's home gets paid more money than the average yeah. yoga teacher. The audience is skewed. It's no one's. It's not the yoga teacher's fault. To a degree, the yoga teacher said, in the old days it's better off that I look like a beggar. And then we went to the extreme. There's yoga teachers that have large followings. They have to live like billionaires. There's something in between. What I want to see is I want to see my yoga teacher in a successful romantic relationship, um, not a celibate, someone who keeps a very clean diet, someone who's mastered things in their diet that I'm still looking to do, someone who can do a lot of the poses or used to do them and has lots of pictures on the wall of them doing them and someone who I know really is nice if they have children they're they're they try really hard they're a good father that's what is interesting to me and there's certainly a lot of people out there with yoga schools that fit all that I think Dharma as an example what a great human being I really appreciate his accomplishment in yoga he's definitely a role model so is Jared McCain uh, um, I like I liked what Bikram did until, yeah. let's just be candid, the guy screwed himself and the public and the world, but certainly he really brought certain things into the mainstream public. Um, but, you know, he got lost. I'm not talking about him too much, yeah. but I'm just saying I I respect his commercialism. I could do that commercialism without violating anyone's body, Yeah, and you won't see me driving Rolls Royces and being like an idiot. Mm -hmm. I don't need to do that. And it's important because if I opened a successful yoga school in New York and I made those mistakes, I would give the teaching a bad name. Right. And it's, it's are you working with the commercialism in order to make a bigger impact, a bigger ripple effect? Or are you working with the commercialism for your own self-gain, which is misguided and I got a lot. I got two yourself. baby mamas. I'm working. <laughs> the commercialism is to pay the baby mamas. No, um... It, yes, yeah. it's mindfulness. The, this practice of yoga is a practice of mindfulness. I want to be thoughtful. Yeah. Eddie and I talked this morning for 20 minutes about whether our classes would allow people to to show up late. That's how intricate in the details that I'm thinking yeah. because I know, for me, that's part of my own dharma. Do I let the guy come in late? And, and where did you land with that? Well, it's difficult for me because I'm old school. I was taught things the hard way. I was taught things through shame or through punishment. So I've had to rechange my think I've had to shift my thinking. There's no word rechange. I've had to shift my thinking and say it's 2019. People don't have the physical physical tolerance for pain that someone like me has. So I don't know that it's a consumer product. And since it's a consumer business, 
it's not my own private yoga school in the Himalayas. So this is a consumer business. Really what I have to do is find out what the consumer wants. And that, that, that's why in that area I wouldn't impose my will. I would actually start a school, and in the beginning of the school, I would poll all the people that study. The, 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 if you came to my place once a week, I'd ask you, I'd say, would, would you hate this product if, if 3 p.m. was the class time and you showed up at 3.01 and I said you can't come in, or would you respect that? I need to hear what my students have to say. Mm-hmm. And then I, I think for this particular matter, I would build the school around what my client wants, not around my higher thinking. Yeah. Well, then you have to ask the next question is, does the client want it now or do they want it later? Right. Because they want to have self-discipline, presumably, if they're coming into a yoga class, but maybe they don't want to be turned away at the door. And those two things need to be reconciled. So it, it is. Do you show compli- up late to things? I arrive late. So then yeah. you, if, if to be sincere, you have to let people arrive late unless until you master until until your new T-shirt says "Fair enough, Guru of Point Timeliness." Taken. Once you have that, it goes back to self-healing, right? What can I possibly teach anyone about relationships if I'm not in one and I haven't had one? It's very limited. I mm-hmm. can tell them what I read in a book. Yeah, yeah, right. It's virtual. It's a virtual pilot versus flying an airplane. In in the case of my school, I show up late sometimes. So what I would do is, if the guy shows up late, I might just give them a stern look. Start with that. Yeah. If they show up late a second time and someone is upset, I might say, look, you're making Emily really upset by showing up late. Is yeah. this something that you're not able to do? Do we need to fix it? And then I would try to help them with that issue. How do you scale that policy? You can't. That's why six of these schools don't necessarily work. Yeah. The message and the Dharma get diluted because then you have to have a master of time everywhere mm-hmm. helping everyone with every problem they have. So... Well, even at the micro level, the scaling happens because you start to think less about what the individual right. ex-consumer wants and more about what the community at, at large wants. Or the wallet. <laughs> because when you scale things, you need to make more money because there's more things to pay for. Yeah, and that's get, true too. It, you know, you know ide- scale, there's scale there's a, in, a, in a business, it's scale is about time and money. Meaning, let's say I, I open the school with six schools throughout New York. There's only a limited amount of time that Eddie and I can go around and teach every teacher that we need how to talk to a late comer properly. Let alone all the things that they right. need to teach in the class and so, everything so one else. So yeah. one would say that it... it this is this is definitely a delicate product a, def, a delicate product a delicate issue it's not every issue is delicate for example i wouldn't let the school students dictate to me that they want chicken sandwiches i'm a vegan mm-hmm. i feel very strongly i don't want to profit from the sale of the flesh of an animal yeah i'd rather not have the school if everybody wants it and they don't want to buy anything from me i'm out of business yeah in that regard i'm the dictator it's my dollar it's my business there's many other matters that it's really, it's really done by the community rules. Mm-hmm. What is the what does the community want? Yeah. And you know that because at uh, Jared's school, I hear all the time people are always complaining about the time of a class and why don't you have a ten o'clock? You need a three <laughs> o'clock. You need a four o'clock. There's, where's the eight o'clock? Why isn't it? You you have yeah. to listen to the students. Yeah. On timing, if everyone's saying the twelve noon is in the middle of the day, it's floating in space. I can't start my day, et cetera. Why don't we have a 10 o'clock? And there's no good answer, by the way. 
It's just, well, because that's the way we always did it. Maybe listen yeah, to right. the, maybe, unless it was like a spiritual thing. No, the class in the Sanskrit word must be at noon. <laughs> or some sort of hard line in the sand that, that Jared or whoever has drawn on some value. Yeah, but I doubt that about 12 o'clock noon class. Teresa has, in front of me has asked Jared McCain no less than, Teresa's my wife, by the yeah. way. She's asked him no less than 300 times <laughs> why the 12 noon class has to be 12 noon. And his answers don't really fit any scientific logic. It's done at his largesse. It's his school. He yeah. likes to get up at a certain time, contemplate, think. He yeah. likes the hour of 12 noon. If, if, as long as he's doing business, he has it's a, his prerogative. It's his, it's his prerogative. Yeah. If nobody was showing up, then you have to change what you're doing. So that's, that's why a lot of thought has to go into retail yoga where it's mm -hmm. different than any other place because the, the school itself be, your lessons in the school they impact the person's mind and and how they think about their yoga practice and how they think about themselves yeah so if your yoga school teacher is a chain smoker standing outside cursing on his phone about a business deal that fell through it's going to be a very different yoga school than the type of yoga schools that we would open yeah not to judge that one that place has its place in the world too Mm -hmm. Angry yoga, they call it. Angry yoga. Right next to goat yoga and beer yoga. Goat yoga and beer yoga, yes. Mm -hmm. All right. With that being said, I think now, um, let's. is there anything that you want to leave our audience with? Any kind of call to action or things, ways that they can um, learn more about what you're doing? You know, I would just say that I'm working on a technique to um, fold into your own belly button and vanish, and it's going to be an asana practice. I'm working on it. I need a couple more weeks. I have to get past um, standing tongue to elbow, which is a word. Could you do that, by the way? Tongue to elbow? Yes. I, I got I to work on that one. Has, I think has, any, has anybody brought... Eddie brings it up to me all the time. <laughs> he always says tongue to elbow, and then he gestures at it, and it's just really the funniest <laughs> thing in the world. Um, I do think that's actually not possible to achieve. The tip of the tongue on the tip of the elbow, that's the criteria. You... I'll have to work on that off camera. <laughs> Get back By to you. By the way, hilarious if you put that on social media. I'd like to see yeah. people's reactions. No, you know, I don't take all of it seriously. I'm pretty lighthearted about it. Um, life, that is. And this is a great time in my life. I'm really honored that I'm on your show. I think the world of you and your practice. And um, thank you. Thanks for letting me blab. My pleasure. Uh, but before we sign off, oh. we got we got to do the prana round. This is the final section of the interview. What is this now? Oh, my God. I'm going to ask you six rapid-fire questions and ask Ooh. you to answer in minimum one word and maximum one sentence. Oh, wow. Okay. In one word for the first question, why do you practice yoga? Health. What is your favorite yoga pose and why? Pachimottanasana. Because I can do it as well as you. <laughs> nice. Um, give me one favorite piece of advice or cue that you've received from a yoga teacher. Breathe. Recommend one book, either modern or ancient, for our listeners. You know, it's a book that you can find on Amazon, and it's, a, it's like a Bible for me, and it's a very long time to read because it's so dense. It should be six times thicker than what it is. It's called Awakening into the Dreamtime. It's a book about um, aboriginals written by an author named Robert Lawler, L-A-W-L-O-R. I've been reading it since 1993. I have several copies. 
I always give them out to people that I think would be into it. It talks about everything. Cool. I've, so I think it's really intense, you know. Haven't gotten that recommendation yet, so nice. I have an extra copy. I'll give it to Teresa. She'll bring it to the school. Okay. It's a gift from me to you. Thank you. It cost me $3.95 online. <laughs> All right. Is yoga for everyone? Whether they like it or not. <laughs> All right. Last question. How can our audience get in touch with you, and how can we support you in your dharma? Make your checks payable to Marcus Antebi. It's A-N-T-E-B-I. And uh, what are we saying? I'm asking for anything. It could be $15. It could be $1,500. It doesn't matter. I'll take it all. Perfect. Perfect call to action. Marcus, thank you so much for doing this show with me and for bringing me into this high-fidelity recording studio. It has been a blast, and I look forward to continuing this conversation down the road. Thank you. Hey, Dharma Talk community. If you enjoyed this podcast and you haven't done so already, please hit the subscribe button right now. And if you'd like to show your support even more, leave me an honest review on iTunes or whatever podcast directory you listen on. You can also make a financial contribution to keep the show up and running, a donation at henrywins.com. And remember, I'm here to serve you. So if you have any questions or comments or ideas, you can always reach me on Instagram at henrywins. Otherwise, I'll speak to you next week. Keep living your dharma.